I want to read to you um, a letter that was written in 1956. Um, and it was written by Sandy Campbell to his boyfriend, Donald Wyndham. And now at this point, Sandy um, is living in a madhouse with uh, Tallulah Bankhead and others in Coconut Grove um, in Florida. Um, and these letters are amazing. I've just taken out a few bits for you. Um, so this is them when they're playing Truth or Dare. Tallulah Bankhead is playing Truth or Dare with Tennessee Williams. Um, <laughs> sentences I never thought I'd say. Um, um, and, and Sandy is there. Tennessee's question to B, he calls Tallulah Bankhead B. Tennessee's question to B, have you ever had lesbian relationships? <laughs> B, yes, but not since 1932. <laughs> with Hope Williams, she had a boy's body. B to Tennessee, why do you drink so much? Tennessee, the Williams have suffered from nerves for generations. My father was an alcoholic and I am a semi one. I drink more lately, I'm 44, you know. Be interrupted, I'm 54 and I wish always, always for death. I've always wanted death. Nothing else do I want more, not success in your play, nothing. That's why I take sleeping pills. They're very close to death. Another, an extract from another letter. This afternoon in the driveway, Tennessee crashed into our car, stuck his head out the window and called to be, excuse me, darling, didn't know it was yours. Um, and then from slightly further on, oh yes, this is a really good one. <laughs> um, I forgot to tell you that a night or two before we opened, Ten brought Gore to the house. I let them in and while Ten was in the bathroom, took Gore in to meet B. Do you know Mr. Vidal too, she asked. Yes, I said. Darling, you really know all the scum of the earth, don't you? <laughs> Please welcome Michael Kelleher from the Wyndham Camel Prizes. <laughs> Michael, you're not the scum of the earth. I just realized that that sounded bad. Um, as, far as, so, so, as far as I know. So who, who were they um, and how did they come to be at the center of kind of literary culture in America in the 21st century? I mean, they are everywhere. Well, Donald Wyndham uh, was a young man. He was 18 years old, grew up. He didn't come from money. Um, and he grew up in Atlanta. And he had a boyfriend, Fred Melton. And they ran away together to New York when they were 18. And somehow very quickly met everyone. And I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but one of, their one of Donald's first friends in New York was Tennessee Williams. Uh, they lived together for a while. Um, they co-authored uh, a play together that was actually on Broadway um, and featured a young uh, Montgomery Clift in the third role. Um, and uh, so through that, they just seemed to meet everyone. And they were very much a part of this uh, this moneyed, mid-century, gay, New York, literary and artistic culture. Um, so Donald didn't have the money, Sandy had the money. Where did it come from? So Sandy's family owned a, her, her, both of his parents, I guess, were chemists, and they owned a uh, chemical manufacturing company that produced cleaning products, which I believe now is called Ecolab. Right, and we're talking about a substantial sum of money. I mean, these prizes are large, they're 150, right we give out nine hundred and fifty thousand dollar prizes per year which is in the aggregate more than the Nobel Prize for literature just just mentioning that can you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so you are you are you are the most valuable some might say precious prize um, in, in in the world for literature but only started very recently two years ago Donald Wyndon passed away in 2010 
Um, and so when Sandy passed in the late 80s, he left everything to Donald. Neither of them had children. Um, they were together for 40 years. And it was all stock in this one company. And uh, as soon as he received his money, his financial advisor said, you need to sell all of this and diversify your holdings or you're going to go broke. And he said, I'm really dedicated to Sandy's memory and I'm not going to sell it and we'll just see what happens. And it grew and grew and grew until when he passed, it was probably worth close to $50 million. And he left all of it to create an endowment to start these prizes. Which is being administered by the Beinecke Library at Yale University. I'm wearing a Yale <laughs> University bow tie this evening. Which is very attractive. And I'm wearing a Damien Barr necktie. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so their relationship, I mean, they, they, they met in 1943. Um, were they, oh, this is, I mean, it's maybe applying a more than a standard to a time where it wasn't relevant, but were they able to be out? Did they live together? What, 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 what was their life? Were they accepted they by the people around them? I think so. I mean, they lived together. They traveled together. Um, they spent a lot of time in Rome and Venice. Um, and, uh, and their crowd just included all of these people. I mean, Tennessee Williams, Truman Capote, uh, Carl Van Vechten, uh, George Platt lines, you know, one after another, just all of these men who were certainly out among each other and were very much part of the social scene of, of literary and artistic New York. At Did that they time. ever encounter the law? I mean, is, was that ever something that, you know. I'm not sure about the law, about but there, there's a story of, uh, a very sad story that remarkably, when you hear it recounted by Tennessee Williams and Donald Wyndham, doesn't sound uh, as horrible as it is, but um, they, they picked up a couple of sailors uh, in Midtown Not Manhattan. Not sounding sad so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the sailors uh, beat them up in a hotel room and tied them to a chair and left them in there. Uh, and they were stuck in this hotel room, tied together for two days. Oh, my God. Two days. What do you talk about? And they, when they write to each other about it, they laugh and you yeah. Know, well, you have. I mean, but I yeah. guess I was going to say you have no choice, but I, I suppose you, you do have a have a choice. Did they? They were together for a sufficient amount of time that the culture changed and the law changed. Um, did they have any kind of civil partnership or, or anything like that? Uh, no. I mean, Sandy died in 1988, so there was really oh, nothing at, at, at that point. Um, and I. It sounded, um, from what I can, from what I've gathered, there's no official biography of either of them, so I've just done a lot of research Why? on my own. Well, the prize is only two years old, I think, yeah. and I don't think, Donald Wyndham's reputation as a writer uh, was far exceeded by his, uh, people's knowledge of his, you know, friendship and the, and the, and the controversies with Tennessee Williams that, that, that arose in the 70s and so Let's forth. talk about those controversies. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, in the mid-60s, Donald published a novel called um, I'm slipping my mind right now. I think it's called like two, it's two men or something like that. It's, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't remember. But um, and it was it, it was a gay themed novel, and it was completely panned by um, uh, the, the 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 media. And he was pretty convinced that it was because of what he had written that that they had rejected him. And from that point on, he really had a difficult time publishing his own work. Um, and so Sandy. Um, who had been an actor and had given up acting and now worked as a fact checker at the New Yorker, um, was the fact checker on In Cold Blood, actually. And um, he became Donald's publisher. And all of Donald's subsequent books were published by Sandy uh, privately. And some of them went on to be you know, sold to major publishing houses. 
One of them was a book that they edited of Tennessee Williams' letters to Donald Wyndham, and they had gone to Tennessee Williams and asked for permission to do this, and he actually signed over the copyright to the letters to Donald and Sandy, um, and they were going to publish it in a small edition of $500, uh, 500 uh, copies, which sold out instantly, and then they sold it to a large publishing house which upset Tennessee. Um, and he thought he'd only given them permission for this little private edition. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he also didn't like some of Donald's editorializing about contract issues when they co-wrote the play together and, and uh, who got top billing and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so when that happened, he went quite, it became quite irate and uh, it spilled out into the pages of the New York Times. Tennessee Williams was accusing the two of them of drugging him in order to get a hold of the copyright for his letters and so forth. And it became this really divisive issue. And so you know, Truman Capote had to uh, you know, choose friends, as it were, and, uh, and, and a lot of their friends were put in this very awkward position. And there were lawsuits, and this went on all through the 1970s. And who won um, in the end? I don't think anybody did really. Uh, I, I think I think Donald won the lawsuits, yeah. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it wrecked their friendship. It wrecked a lot of their other friendships, and it was really uh, awful. <laughs> um, I mean, their story. I want to know so much more about. I want to you know go and see the archive. What is what's in there? Is it letters, diaries? What you know? So well, all of Donald's correspondence with all of these people um, throughout his life are there. Um, some of the most interesting things that I've seen, I mean, there's obviously all the correspondence with Tennessee Williams, mm -hmm. which is wonderful. Um, but he was also, so one of the things that Donald uh, did, he worked as the e editor of Dance Index in the mid-40s. What was that? Uh, it was a dance magazine that was... Was it dance like... Like George Balanchine. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Ballet and modern dance and so forth. I'm I, and... Uh, again, the editor is slipping my mind. Um, it was quite a well-known uh, uh, man who went off to war and basically handed Donald the editorship of this magazine during, a, during the course of World War II. Donald was rejected uh, for being gay, I believe, from the military. And um, so the art director of the magazine was Joseph Cornell. Um, and so there are all of these beautiful handwritten postcards from Joseph Cornell um, in, the in the archive. And they, and they, you know, and they have little, you know, one-off collages or little pieces of paper that he cut and, and then incredible. just wrapped around and taped to the postcards and things. And there's there's, a, there's a, quite a bit of correspondence there. Um, there's some very, uh, there's some letters from Montgomery Clift. Both of them were um, quite friendly, I understand, with Montgomery. <laughs> um, and uh, there's, some, there's, some, there's a very sad letter uh, that he wrote to them from Southern California right after he had been in his car accident. And he's talking about how he's, in so much pain that he's, you know, becoming addicted to pills and and, and mm. so forth. It's very sad. So, all of these people that I've mentioned, there are there are letters. There, they were close friends with Carl Van Vechten, who was, you know, the famous photographer. Mm -hmm. There's tons of photographs by Van Vechten of them and of their friends. Um, also, um, paintings and portraits by Paul Cadmus, who was the painter that was Sandy was modeling for when they met in his studio in the '40s. So yeah, it's a pretty remarkable. It's, I mean, I just, I can't wait to look at it. I'm going to look at it before you, Patrick Gale. I can hear you. <laughs> I can hear you, bitch, thinking about writing that novel. But, but so, so you know, the, 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 the fortune was left. I mean, it could have gone, you know, it could have gone anywhere. Which one of them, or did they decide together that they wanted to create this prize? And does the prize have a specific purpose? Does it have a specific remit? Well, how can I win? LAUGHTER <laughs> um. <laughs> 
<laughs> I need wasn't to write a novel, yeah. Check yeah. under the book. Um, and uh, so they, I, I think. One of, one of the a formative experience that Donald had when he was younger was writing that play with Tennessee Williams. Um, at that time, he was a young, unknown writer, hadn't completed his first novel, didn't have any money. Um, and he received a royalty check of $5,000, which was quite a lot at the time. And it allowed him to not work for the next three years. Mm -hmm. And he completed his first novel based on that. And for him, that was a, a crucial experience, that recognition that an artist needs time to write. And I think Donald and Sandy, when they had discussed this at some point when Sandy was alive, that was what they really wanted to do. They wanted to create a prize that would support writers and would give them time to write. Um, the criteria are really, we, we look for writers that are, he, Donald really wanted some emerging writers to be included. So one of the, we, we ask each nominator to write two letters and one is for uh, an emerging writer and one is for a writer with a larger body of work. Um, and I think in terms of those writers with the larger body of work, he really didn't want it to be a Lifetime Achievement Award. He wanted it to be for active writers. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I, I think he also wanted to maybe recognize writers who, like himself, were somewhat, not, not overlooked, but deserved a wider audience. Like kind of what and we would call the mid-list, or what gets, what gets called the mid-list. Right. You know, writers who have maybe not won loads of awards or had huge sales, but consistently produced you know, really good quality right. work. I think what was interesting was I noticed there were a lot of British people um, on, on, on your most recent list. Well, I, the, the first year we had almost all, we had six Americans, uh, one Brit and two South Africans. And uh, so my goal in when I came on to get these prize started was to always, to, was to make this a global prize. So it's open to English language writers from anywhere in the world. Um, and at any stage of their careers. Fiction, and so uh, nonfiction. Fiction, nonfiction, drama currently, and poetry will be added in year five. Um, and we give out three in each category. Um, so we really, w I, I wanted to make this a global prize. So I, I tried to reach out and find nominators from the UK and find nominators from the different parts of the English speaking world. And so this, this next year, um, it, it, it was quite a bit more diverse. I think we had, we had a lot of writers that were UK based, but also had roots in other places like Sierra Leone, like uh, Pakistan and India and, and so forth. So, so and, and the prizes will be announced again soon? Almost, yeah, almost like a month from Sunday, yes, uh, the 24th of, February. And the process is quite mysterious because um, you can't um, nominate yourself or be nominated by your publisher. Um, you just get an email one day saying, you have won $150,000. <laughs> which, which is what happened to Amanata. She thought it was spam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually not that forthright because I don't want to give up the surprise of calling them. So I actually, I, I say, I, they get an email that says, confidential, I have urgent and terrific news. Oh <laughs> 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 Who does not want to get that email? Um, does anyone have a question for Michael? Tom? Um, so what are you looking for? <laughs> <laughs> Well, so explain a little bit more about, about that process because you mentioned the nominators there. All right, Who so we have, it's, it's, a, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly rigorous process. It's a three-part process. Um, the most important part is the nominations, which happens almost immediately, which begins almost immediately after the prizes are announced in February. So I solicit nominations from about 30 people, and I select them based on 
their expertise in various fields of literature, expertise in uh, geographic parts of the world uh, that I want represented in the nominee pool, um, and their expertise within the category. Um, they write the two letters. We get about si between 60 and 70 nominees across the three categories uh, in a given year. We put together dossiers on each writer. We prepare those all summer long. And then in August, we send dossiers and a selected text by the writer that has been chosen by the nominator. We send it to our three prize juries, three people on each prize jury. Um, you got to hold all these numbers in your head. Um, and uh, they read for three months. They come to Yale. They meet in November. And each jury whittles their group down to five finalists. And then they write a support statement, which gets added to the dossier. And then we order all the books again. And then we send them to the next committee, which has nine people on it. <laughs> it's like the French Revolution. And, and, uh, and that committee also, it's not a board of directors in like many prizes. It's, it's actually an, an active committee. So they also spend three months. And they read and uh, meet in mid-February and select the prize winners. See, I'm an actor all that effort, and they chose you. Lucky, lucky, clever, <laughs> clever you. Well done, well done. Um, okay, so who knows about the Wyndham Campbell Prize? No, every single, and everybody in the room wants to win it. Thank you, Michael Kelleher, for coming all the way from Yale. Thank you Thank so you much. Damien. Thank you.